This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the TBU Podcast. I'm Dustin and BJ and Scott are with me, and we are here to talk about everything from the last couple weeks. Um, we hope if you celebrated Easter, you, we hope you had a good Easter. Uh, we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, if you didn't catch uh, the episode two weeks ago, Scott, let them know which, uh, what you had in store two weeks ago. Oh, we had a, an interview with Rom V about his Gotham Nocturne run, which was pretty awesome very insightful we really kind of got into it about you know the metaphors of you know duality and kind of how that works throughout every character and every event that's going on currently in detective comics so definitely check that out if you haven't uh we do have uh that it was the last episode that released on this feed uh, so be sure to check that out but there was a little bit of news that happened over the past two weeks as well um so we're going to talk about that first up uh, there was an auction that took place at the end of May, or May, the end of March, and there was a number of uh, high-profile Batman comics that were on that were part of the auction. Uh, some of which uh, tied for records that previously were held. So, first up, we have the first appearance of Batman in Detective Comics number twenty-seven. Uh, it ended up selling for one point seven four million dollars, which ties the record. Uh, that was a that was graded at a six point oh. Uh, there was also a uh, Batman number one issue um, that sold that was a graded at an eight point oh that sold for a one point one one million, and then there was also a seven point oh that sold for six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and there was a bunch of other issues too that featured various characters. I know Riddler was on the cover of one issue, um, Detective Comics. Um, Specifically, Detective Comics number 140 uh, that uh, sold for 360000 sitting at a 9.6. So there was some different stuff. There was an issue of uh, Detective Comics that featured the Joker as well. But uh, it's interesting because in my mind, while I am a huge Batman fan, I don't think that if unless I had just an insane amount of money, I would ever, ever even imagine spending the amount of money on this. would it be awesome to have a copy of Detective Comics number 27? Sure. Um, would I put it on display in my house? No, not if it's worth $1.7 million. I think we got to get everybody in TBU to kind of uh, pitch in when we buy one of those, and then we can pass that around like it's a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Everybody gets a weekend with it or something. <laughs> I'm actually kind of suspicious of that, just because if I understand correctly – when you win the bid, you have an extended period to turn it around and put it back up for auction. So you don't actually have to pay for it yet. It's true. So, you know, and, and heritage auctions, at least with the video game community, doesn't have the best reputation. They're the ones with the um, sealed and boxed Super Mario Brothers 3 that went for some crazy price. And, like, other people are saying, hey... You know, that's incorrect. There's no population report. There's like a whole like tunnel you can go down with Heritage Auctions specifically. So I'm kind of like, I'm sure it's worth a lot, but I don't know. <laughs> In other words, they might be uh, uh, inflating their prices just a little bit, uh, working the market in, in their favor. 
Um, so that was that. Outside of that, there was uh, some announcements that came out of uh, MegaCon. First up, we have uh, DC announced uh, the Dawn of DC will be having the return of Batman and Robin. Um, we will see Batman, Bruce Wayne, and Damian Wayne back together again, investigating mysterious new cases and monsters in Gotham in the series Batman and Robin. This will be coming in September and will be written by Joshua Williamson and art by Simone DeMeo. Um, and the fans got the first look at the first issue's cover, some interior work and designs for the Robin Mobile, all crafted by DeMeo. Um, I will say... There's, I don't have anything wrong with the, the art. Um, I know that it was brought up on our Discord that Joshua Williamson is doing yet another book. Um, and I know that he's doing a, a large number of books at DC right now. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea of a Batman Robin series. I almost feel like with the Batman vs. Robin series that just wrapped up a couple months back um, and the fact that... I mean, I guess it's time for a Batman and Robin series. I don't know that it's entirely needed. Um, it will obviously be taking the slot of some of the other books because it's been recently announced that Batgirls is coming to an end. And there hasn't really been a new series other than the Brave and the Bold series, which is partially a Bat book because it's, it is a Bat book by name, features a Batman story, but is giving the opportunity to other characters uh, in the anthology version of of the series to focus on other characters that couldn't hold their own series so this is clearly taking the slot that Batgirls had I don't know that I necessarily completely agree with that while I like the dynamic of Batman and Robin uh, I appreciate the idea of the Batgirls team or a Birds of Prey team or something like that probably more so than a strict Batman and Robin series when you could just have Batman and Robin teaming up in a different book I don't know. I guess we'll see what ends up happening. I think the hard thing, too, is like Joshua Williamson, like for me personally, I find him very hit or miss. And like when he hits, I like I really dig it. But there are a lot of times where it's just not jiving. But the art definitely is pretty. Like I'm looking at the images now and I'm, I'm I, I could be on board. I know our comic podcast, they have thoughts about um, Batgirls. So... <laughs> which everyone should listen to because they're uh, a great other podcast that delves into more comic book things. But yeah, I could be on board. So I'll probably, I mean, I'll definitely pick it up. Uh, probably try to read everything kind of Batman, but uh, it is strange how they're really, we haven't had a straight Batman and Robin book since when, like early new 52. Does that make sense? Like, it did last. Early. It did last a while, but uh, yeah, it's been some time since there's been a proper one because they basically got rid of the Batman and Robin series, and then Robin had his own series for a little bit. That didn't last, um, and then they didn't really have anything because he was kind of out. They were kind of using Robin is a character in some other books, like the, he was in Teen Titans for a while, um, and then eventually, after some of the marketing ploys that DC has done. He ended up just kind of doing his own thing yet again. Um, so it has, it, it's definitely been some time. It was, if I remember correctly, uh, Peter Tomasi was doing the Batman and Robin series. I don't think anybody took over that series after he was done. I think it ended. And his artist, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he was the one who ended up, after they ended Batman and Robin, he ended up taking over the Robin son of Batman series but he as the writer and i don't know why i can't think of his name but because he was a long time collaborator but anyway the point is peter tomasi was doing the batman robin series and then peter tomasi continued on to detective comics and that was ages ago so it's definitely been a, a, a good chunk of time yeah it'll be nice to just have batman and robin back together again the dynamic duo it's always something it's always been a pillar of uh dc comics so i guess it'll be nice I don't expect it to be last a hundred issues. I feel like unless you're one of the main uh, one of the main titles, like you don't get a, a super long run. But it'll be nice for as long as we have it. Yes, it was uh, Patrick Gleason who uh, did the Robin series, the artist on uh, Batman and Robin. That's who I was thinking of. Um, also in comic news, uh, just announced right after uh, MegaCon. And leading into the weekend of C2E2, there was a new Batman Beyond series that was announced. It's called Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic. It's 
directly a sequel to the previous miniseries Batman Beyond Neo Year. Uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing will be returning as the writers. Max Dunbar is the artist. And there's not a ton of information. The log line for this one says Terry McGinnis defeated the evil AI controlling Neo Gotham and asserted himself as the one true Batman, but his next battle will bring him to the remains of old Gotham. Children are going missing and being swallowed by the city's old bones. Batman Beyond will have to go underground led by a mysterious splicer named Kyle the Catboy to find the children and confront the city's buried sins what happened to the green of the city what's happened to magic and what villains never left old gotham so um i mean it sounds interesting the one thing that i've that that did not pop up in any specific uh obviously not in the official press release but also none in none of the stories that actually talked about what uh the, the announcement was that this is not in it doesn't I didn't see anything saying that it's a mini series so it's an ongoing so again we've got another series that's taking the place of one of the recently canceled series or concluded series and I don't know I'm not as big of a fan of Batman Beyond like I enjoyed the animated series but the comic series just feel for a while they were just like a you know let's keep going with the stuff that was happening in the animated series but ever since um <laughs> What was it? Uh, the future, the new 52 future, whatever it was called. Um, I don't, they took it in a completely different direction where the originally Batman Beyond was a separate universe. Now it was part of the main universe, but in the future. But then it was, wait, this is an alternate universe. There was a whole storyline that happened where Tim Drake uh, went to the future and Terry McGinnis was, uh, he had amnesia and didn't even know he was Batman. I kind of lost the, you know, desire to, you know, or interest, I guess is the better way to phrase that the interest level in anything related to uh, Batman beyond after that stuff happened. Yeah. I dipped out years ago. So I am like way behind. Last thing I remember was he, there was like a frozen Bruce Wayne or something that they thought was the Joker at first, but it turned out it was surprise. Bruce Wayne or something like that. So I am way behind. So I, while I'm glad that there's still a community, I have no frame of reference. Yeah. Same. I haven't read uh, a Batman Beyond in a while. I'm, I have a couple like trades like that are kind of almost direct continuations of what happened in the animated series. But other than that, I didn't read um, Neo year or, uh, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to end up picking up uh, this new one. All right. So with that, we're going to get into Gunwatch. And there's a bunch of different things that we're going to cover from the past couple weeks, um, some of which are official trailers, some of which are videos of things, some of which are hints at other projects. So first up, uh, we've got back in March... Uh, Chris McKay, for those of you who don't remember, he directed the Lego Batman film. And then at, after the film actually released, there was a lot of rumors at the time of him basically heading up a Nightwing film. And those rumors fell in line with Jeff John's comments that year at C2E2 about branching off and doing more Bat Family stuff and building a world within Gotham and not so much focus on the DC universe as a whole with Batman intertwined in it. Um, and Chris McKay was was rumored to be attached to the Nightwing film that would have potentially happened. And he, it's obviously been some time, but he told SFX uh, magazine that he's still hoping to do something. He hasn't had any conversations with James Gunn now that James Gunn's involved, uh, but he really hopes to be able to do something with uh, the Nightwing character at some point. Now, I'm not here one to sit here and say he should or should not do a Nightwing film. I would like to see a Nightwing film. I do think it's going to take a little bit of time to establish at least the universe that some of these characters exist in. The fact that we're getting, we've already had an announcement of a Batman Brave and the Bold series or movie that is that has uh, Damian Wayne and Batman. I think once that movie is established it will set up the ability to do a lot of other batman related characters yeah i think nightwing will definitely show up in that movie as uh that could spin off into his own because you can't really have the whole damien taking on the legacy of robin and what all that what means if he's quote unquote like the first robin like it kind of really doesn't make sense you need him following in um dick grayson's footsteps so i think that's 
I would assume that's going to be kind of be like a big plot point of that movie. Just if I would me writing it, if I was writing it, that's what I would do. But uh, yeah, I think Nightwing definitely has to show up in there. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement. I don't have anything. BJ basically said it. <laughs> All right. And then next up, we had uh, some interesting ones. Uh, Mike Flanagan uh, claims he's a screenwriter and a director. Uh, he has said that he had a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran and pitched a Clayface movie. Um, while the film has, or the pitch was not greenlit, um, as of yet, um, it was very interesting because he said that, uh, the, it would not necessarily take place within the same universe of, um, the Matt Reeves stuff. Instead, it would be its own kind of like standalone story focusing on the character itself and that they didn't go as far as to say that it was going to be specifically an Elseworlds story like the Joker series from Todd or the Joker film from um, Todd Phillips's. But he clearly has an idea of what he wants to do and whether or not it actually ends up working. We'll see. But it would be interesting to see villains potentially get a, you know, some sort of film that sets them up, tells their origin but doesn't have Batman in it, and then they are entered into the fray of something else down the line. I think I like that idea for certain characters. I don't know that I th- that I think that that would work necessarily for Clayface, but there's certain characters that you don't need to have Batman involved. You know, there's certain characters you absolutely have to have Batman involved, but I think that there's some like Clayface that don't need to have Batman involved in their origin. They can exist on their own and then come into contact with Batman down the line. I mean, this seems like definitely up Mike Flanagan's wheelhouse. You know, I would imagine it'd just be more horror, macabre, mystery heavy. And that's like when I saw this come across the feed, like when it was rumored and hitting all the news articles, I thought it was a really cool idea and I'm for it. But it definitely like makes sense to me that this would be, you know, if it's true, like a Mike Flanagan project that, you know, I don't know, would be awesome. When I first saw it, I it came across like on my uh, Twitter feed saying that like Clayface confirmed as the villain in the Batman Two, or uh, Clayface was almost uh, is going to be the villain but was denied. Like Flanagan pitched it and was denied. So I kept seeing it, um, compa- like it was going to be in the Reeves universe, but then then I kept reading uh, reading more and less. I guess I found less clickbait articles and found what really happened, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could get all the... I know there's been multiple characters who've had the mantle of Clayface, so I'm sure you get a bunch of bunch of Clay characters kind of morphing in around each other. So, yeah, it could be interesting. All right, and then jumping over to uh, Todd Phillips' Joker sequel, uh, we got our first look at Harley Quinn, um, uh, played by Lady Gaga. Um, there was not only some set photos that emerged of her on set in um her costume it's it's very much in line with uh the joker that we saw in todd phillips first film in the sense of like it's the 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 outfits are slightly flamboyant give that little hint of the character but still is very grounded in a way where it's not necessarily super on the nose about what exactly it is. Um, but then after they, they finished filming, they actually released a tweet that said, that's a wrap that had two pictures, one of Lady Gaga in official picture. And then of Joker as well, uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix. And the thing is, there's not much here. It just looks like characters who, I mean, are very grounded. It looks like I I'm, I'm trying to understand in my head, how we go to, what happens with the Joker and the only thing I or like the Joker being out since the way the Joker ended spoilers for those of you who haven't seen a movie that's been out for four years. But um, if you didn't see the film, he is in a mental institution at the end of the film. And while you would assume it could play out similar to the way we've seen things with Harley Quinn, where Harley Quinn is a doctor, Harley Quinn ends up falling for him. And then he ends up escaping with her help it could play out like that. Um, again, it's going to be interesting to see the direction it goes because there is no Batman. And the more these films work without Batman, it just kind of like cements that, uh, that question that always is always out there about, Oh, did Batman create these characters or these villains or did the, uh, villains 
you know, were the villains, you know, a necessity that was going to happen regardless of whether Batman existed. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I watched some leak footage that like hit the internet like a couple of weeks ago, maybe. And, like, there's some like, and it's hard to tell what it is. It could be anything, but like, one of them was like Joaquin Phoenix running away from someone else dressed up like the Joker, like a fake Joker. And I thought that was interesting. And like Harley Quinn's outfit, like I like it. I think Lady Gaga is a good pick. She looks good as Harley Quinn. Like I'm, as much as like I've ragged on the Joker movie in the past, like what images and things I've seen, I'm I'm curious. You know, I'm hoping that maybe like this time around I'll come around and really enjoy it. I mean, I don't know. Everything everything's enticing enough to want to like come back to this world and see what they do because they honestly could do anything you know and and the fact that the rumor is that it's a musical or was you know and it also at the time was rumored that lady gaga was in it before she was like officially confirmed that maybe this will be like just kind of a really bizarre but dark trip in a slightly different direction i i thought her her costume looked pretty cool i thought it was uh very interesting uh interesting um I do wonder how what the take is on Harley, like you said, Dustin. Like, is it going to be? Is she going to be uh, a psychiatrist at the asylum, or could she just be like some inspired fan of the Joker who breaks him out, and then they kind of go Bonnie and Clyde all over Gotham? But yeah, I'm sure. I definitely. We all assume it'll be a musical. They'll be dancing up and down those stairs. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, Sky could go anywhere, and they could kind of do anything. I don't. I really don't know if we could get a third one. I don't know. Kind of really not hoping it. Uh, <laughs> for I wasn't the biggest fan of the first one, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, this it'll be. I'm sure there'll be some deep, meaningful themes that you either get or you don't, or stuff like that. See, I will say, as a Batman fan, I did not like that film. But as a film fan, I really did like that film. I thought it was a good film. It just it was convenient that it had to had some sort of connection to Batman. Um, but it didn't very need to. tenuous connection. Not yeah. like yeah, you could have set that. You could have called it clown and set it. In That's New York true. And take out the lanes and yeah. it's the same movie. To be honest, exactly. I don't know that it would have been as popular if it was yeah, that no. though. So yeah. there's that part. Um, all right. The next thing we've got is there was a. Uh, so James Gunn's doing a bunch of press right now for the upcoming upcoming Guardians Volume Three, and one of them uh, included him going over and talking with Rolling Stone, and his Superman Legacy project came up. Uh, but specifically, he said uh, that he learned so much from making these movies. Um, he was asked about the tone and whether or not he would do something similar to what he did at DC. And he said, um, it's not like Superman is going to have an exact, have exactly the same vibe as the, as a Guardians film. It's actually quite different. Uh, he was also asked about, uh, whether or not crypto would be used because fans really like Rocket. And he said, I think I would have an interest in the live action crypto, whether or not I had anything to do with Rocket. Um, and that was, that was essentially the extent of what he said. But it goes into something that we talked about before about, you know, we, our hope is that the, the, tone of the Superman film would be very different from what he's known for, what he's done with Suicide Squad, what he's done for the Guardians films, because those are very much very similar. And I don't want that necessarily for a Superman film. And it really does feel like he's going to be going in a very different direction. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what we talked about in the last, I think it was the last news episode we did, where, you know, he made like the official confirmation that he's the one directing it as well you know that post he he put up that a kind of emotional you know personal connection you know really kind of quelled any worries i had about the superman movie like it's just it kind of got me you know more interested and now i'm looking forward to it and it kind of that hasn't changed yeah i read that article and uh my the first thought that came to me was whoever was interviewing him kind of has no idea about crypto or rocket because they're kind of totally the only completely they have is they're both animals yeah yeah like uh crypto doesn't talk and he's a flying kryptonian dog and rocket's totally different so i was like who's asking this question like the comic geek in me was kind of a little angry at that but yeah uh i i kind of have my faith in james gunn that he's going to kind of 
come through and we're going to kind of get the Superman that we deserve or been hoping for. All right. So next up, we've got the release of the Blue Beetle trailer. <clears throat> now, this is kind of um, in, in, a, in a way it's unexpected, but it is a matter. It was only a matter of time. The film's coming out August 18th. So it's only, you know, four months away, a little bit more than four months away, but unexpected in the sense of like, it almost feels like they're trying to move on from Shazam and how Shazam didn't do as well as they were hoping, or maybe it did as well as they expected it to. I'm not sure, but the, the film, uh, to the point where it wasn't even out of theaters for three weeks. And I saw just this past weekend, it said it was available on voodoo to, to, uh, purchase or rent or however they had it but you could rent it digitally right away and it was because after the second week of it being in theaters it had dropped out of the top five um, and there's a lot of films coming out right now um, in general and there's a it's a really decent rotation where like most films are not lasting more than one week now i say that knowing full well that just this past weekend super mario had uh, the biggest all all-time animation opening of all time beating uh, the frozen film uh, the second sequel, the Frozen Two, um, so it did super well, and it'll probably continue to do well for the next couple of weeks. But there's there's plenty of other movies that are like right down the pipeline, you know, just in a very short amount of time. That said, Shazam was, uh, you know, is going to be hitting digital soon, going to be hitting, uh, able to be purchased physically coming in May. It's not that much time after it released, and it feels like they're trying to like move on. So we got the Blue Beetle trailer. And my immediate reactions to this Blue Beetle trailer is that um, it's the same thing as Shazam. I mean, like, yeah, the power set's different. Yeah, it's there's there's something different, but it's still a boy who has powers unexpectedly. A ton of his family's involved, whether it's his natural family in Blue Beetle or his adopted family in Shazam. It's very similar. It has a very similar vibe, in my opinion. I didn't really feel like I was getting something that I was that I'm looking for necessarily in any film. It just feels like, hey, this is something that happened. This character got these powers, and that's what's happening. And the weird part about that is that this character, <clears throat> we we just we've seen this recently with other characters in the sense of like we just saw recently. Uh, Marvel had Miss Marvel, and she's going to carry on where she was a character who was a child who randomly, unexpectedly got some powers. Uh, She-Hulk, same kind of thing, different type of, not a kid, but different thing where she suddenly got powers that she wasn't used to and things like that. So I'm not sure that I'm looking for this. I still see it, and we'll still talk about it, but the trailer did not really make me think, oh man, I can't wait for this. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like, I mean, it was fun. Like the trailer was fun. You know, I I I don't think. I I guess I get the sense that it's made for like younger audiences and not me, and that's cool. The only like the only real takeaway I was left with was um, there's one part in the trailer where it looks like he's on like a ship, like a flying ship that. And and my first thought was, is Ted Cord in this, like, hidden in the background, and we don't know that? Is he going to come in here, and is that why, you know, this third iteration of Blue Beetle is hovering around on what looks like the classic, like, Cord Blue Beetle ship? But other than that, like, it was perfectly fine. I don't know. Yeah, I thought the suit looked um, pretty cool. Uh, I was happy to kind of see George Lopez in it. I didn't know he was in it. But yeah, it did look kind of look like a fun time. And I don't think kind of like Shazam almost where it's not going to be groundbreaking or we're not going to see something that, well, we've never seen before. But I do think it'll just kind of be a good time, a good, solid superhero um, movie. Like I said, the suit looks pretty good. And I think for the longest time, for some reason, I was kind of shocked by how good it looked. Because I think for the longest time, I always assumed that this was going to be on HBO Max like straight to HBO Max, but and at some point they flipped it to releasing it in theaters. So I thought everything looks bigger than I thought it would be, so I kind of put me in a good state. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be an HBO Max uh, exclusive film, just like the Batgirl film was originally that. Um, when everything shifted over, um, they decided they didn't want to have HBO Max exclusive films because it just was not cost-effective. Um 
also it seems as if there could be a problem with putting superhero films with a much lower budget on HBO Max because I think expectation is still there should they should be high quality regardless and you still have to have a certain level of a budget in order to make these films successful. Um, Shazam is a, the first film is a good example of them not having like a huge budget but still being very successful um, with what they put together. But you can tell comparing that film to the second film that the second film had a lot more money because just the scope of what they were able to do was much larger. There's more effects, you know. There's just more characters involved and things like that. Um, I think that I, I expect this film to not need to do anywhere near as much money as you know some of these other films that are out there. The suit looks really good. The effects that we see in the trailer uh, with the suits look really cool. Um, so I, I'm hoping that I saw some people online comparing it to Power Rangers. That was amusing, and especially I, that last shot, exactly. Where he's, uh, getting all his weapons, kind yeah, of, and he's getting the Power Ranger pose, yeah. So. Um, I just I, I I'm I'm concerned because the thing is like while I'm hoping you know I still have hope for the Flash to be good and you know with all the Batman stuff it be something that will be successful but we have had a very very long list of DC films that have not done very well recently I mean going all the way back to like Birds of Prey in 2019 uh, or 2020 that came out didn't do very well the next one we've got suicide squad didn't do great but it was also released at the same time on um on hbo max um we had the batman did great but didn't do anywhere near as much money as a normal batman film typically would but still did really good but then we had black adam which didn't do anywhere near the as well as they wanted it to shazam and then we have blue beetle if flash doesn't do well i mean we're going to have like this huge slew of DC films that have just like not been great. I feel like while yes, the stuff exists to a degree, you know, you have to sit there and think about the, what they chose to do with the Batgirl film and they canceled that and took it as a tax write off. And while it's, you know, it sucks that some of that stuff's not going to be seen. We understand at least from our perspective, why that might not work within the confines of what they're doing. Um, you know, and setting up things for the future, even though that film was canceled well before what they were, you know, what they were planning was already laid out. But I have to question whether or not like releasing all these films that knowing, hey, we're going into a new slate. Hey, we're doing stuff that's going to be different. Hey, everything's going to be reworked uh, and not necessarily everything's going to carry over. It's very interesting because it almost feels like there's this idea that these aren't important. Um, you know, Black Adam's not important because it doesn't matter. Shazam isn't important because Flash is going to change everything. You know, Blue Beetle doesn't necessarily line up with anything else that's going on. So really, what is the reason you need to see these films compared to like the Marvel films where they always feel like they're important to everything or there's at least something that connects? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's I mean, that's a good point, but I don't know how you solve that problem other than like do something someone hasn't seen in a while and like get everybody excited again you know yeah. like i think like top gun maverick you know where surprised everybody you know how well that movie did i still haven't seen it but it did amazing and you know just because maybe it was off the beaten path but you have people who like they're going to the movies they're going to spend their movie dollars even if it's a movie they don't even really care about but it ties into the mcu like they're kind of beholden to it because they want to follow the overarching story yeah it's like I think that, I think what you're saying it's it's like hard to combat, you know. And I think there's going to be some growing pains with the new canon, but maybe if they stick with it, you know, they can build something that has that reputation. But I don't know. It's you got to get their foot in the door somehow. It's a good thing to ponder. Yeah, they're in um, kind of like a weird no man's land because they're the first movie after Flash, right? Yep. Yeah, so they're the first movie after The Flash and then the, the movie before, like, quote-unquote, like, the big DCU reset. So they are in that weird no-man's land. So, yeah, it's weird how we're kind of not, like, we're never going to kind of get, like, standalone comic book movies, like, like, again, unless, like, it's the Matt Reeves Batman where, like, Matt Reeves kind of had to fight for his own vision. Like, we're never going to kind of get, like, 
the the Chris Reeve Superman movies and then like the Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Batman movies where they're they're not connected at all. Like they're all totally different. Like I know they name drop Superman and Batman and Robin, but they're we never never uh, no one ever had a thought in 1997 like they would ever kind of coexist into one big universe. So we're really I don't wonder if it's like this could be a podcast for like another day, but like will we ever kind of get like standalone superhero movies or does everything have to be connected? Yeah. And I, and I, and I that is a good topic for another time, but, um, and I, so I don't want to go, I don't want to get too much into that, but it, it is, it, it, it's just very interesting because then even when you look at what's coming up, you look at, so flash comes out, blue beetle comes out two months later You've got Aquaman still holding its date in December. God, I forgot about Aquaman. Yeah, it, it, and that's a weird one because it still has characters that existed within, you know, before Flash. And you would assume that, like, and we all know that, like, just because Flash is going to potentially set up Flashpoint or a, a version of it where it explains certain characters changing and things like that, you would assume that because of that. Certain characters, it doesn't matter. Like Wonder Woman can still be played by Gal Gadot. You can still have Jason Momoa playing Aquaman. If Ben Affleck is no longer Batman, well, he's no longer Batman. Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. He's no longer Superman. I understand that, but it also is strange because, again, we are trying to have four DC theatrical films released this year, and then we're going to go into next year and have one. Like, why are we not at least spacing them out? Because the Superman film, which is going to set up the new slate, isn't even coming until 2025. So we're going to go, like, what was what's the point? And other than, like, hey, these films are done and let's just, you know, get them out. I don't understand why they're insisting on putting them all out the way they are. Like, if Blue Beetle really doesn't tie into it, why does it need to come out in August? Why wouldn't they just push it to the middle of next year so that way it doesn't conflict with anything else? And it spaces the DC stuff out where there's not as much going on. Like, that's the part that's really frustrating to me because I just don't understand it. Aquaman, they had that thing probably filmed. I mean, it was supposed to release last Christmas or last December, and it didn't. So I could see why they would want to get that out. But, like, Blue Beetle... Why wouldn't they just push it, you know, in some week that is not as important as like uh, the end of the summer, like they have done with, because that film's got like the same slot as Suicide Squad. I don't know. It's a good question because I do wonder, like maybe the rush is part of if it does well. Surprisingly, there's a contingency plan in play is placed, you know, where like somehow Blue Beetle like shocks everyone and does, you know, pretty good. And there's, like, juice there to squeeze so they can, like, work that into whatever the new plans are and not have it come out, like, way later. And it's still early in, like, Saffron and Gunn's plan to, like, slot it in there. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if it goes back to, I remember, they because didn't they push all these movies because, like, they, like, didn't have any money or whatever to, like, market them. And they were kind of putting their market, their focus on Black Adam and so I wonder if they kind of like need the money, like per se. Like I don't like I don't think they're like scrounging for change. Like, uh, like they're recycling their bottles and cans, bar or anything. But like, do they kind of have the money to kind of put it up, and then can hopefully they can foresee some return on it? Like I don't know. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is that they're just trying to get certain things like off the books, because yeah. if they release them by a certain time. The money's done. So that way, you know, if 2023 was expected to be a year that they weren't going to do great in the box office, not DC as a whole, but like Warner Brothers as a whole, and they can say, well, we had some underperforming DC films, uh, but we're also in the middle of rebuilding the slate. So that was kind of expected. If they get all of that stuff out there before 2024, then maybe that's the intent is like, then they don't have an excuse going forward for shareholders, at least. I don't know. It's just it, – it's odd to me because, like, why would you insist on having this many films in one year when everybody's, like you're, – you're, everybody's complaining about, like, the superhero fatigue right now and the fact that we just got too many of them or there's just too many sequels or interconnected films. And then a film like Top Gun Maverick, like you brought up, Scott, does well because it's – you know, while it is a sequel, it's a sequel to a film that came out, like, 30 years ago. So it's – you know, it's it's not what somebody's expecting. But anyway, 
that said, uh, the trailer's out there. We have a link in the description. You can check it out if you are so interested. Um, I will say the villain played by Susan Sarandon is Victoria Cord, Ted Cord's brother. Cord Industries does show up a couple times in the actual uh, trailer, so it's 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 possible at least that Ted Cord does exist, uh, but he's just not you know as as important of a character or something. Um, we'll I, I would postcard. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right. So that being said, uh, the next one we've got is Ben Affleck was talking about. Uh, he was talking with the Hollywood Reporter about his experience on the set of The Flash. During his conversation, he said that uh, there was a specific cameo that was uh, planned for Flash that supposedly may or may not have been cut from the final draft of the film. Um, it is, I guess, a spoiler, so I guess if you're not interested in a spoiler, skip this part. But uh, specifically, he was saying that uh, Wonder Woman is intended to be in the film um, right alongside him, and he actually at one point gets saved by Wonder Woman with her lasso, and he kind of like reveals to her that uh, his real feelings about his life and his work based off of him being wrapped up in the, tr- the lasso of truth. Um, this was, while well, I say this is a spoiler because it's, she hasn't been in any of the marketing material, she, however, was was a uh, figure that was released in promo images from Funko, you know, good old Funko Pops ruining stuff as usual. Um, but um, so Wonder Woman's very likely to be in the film, or if she's not, then there's at least potentially a deleted scene out there that could show her the fact that she was in the film. Probably the thing... Um uh, most interested with and in seeing the flash is how they are gonna like what like Affleck's kind of like curtain call and swan song is as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like I wonder exactly how they're gonna play it because he said that it's like his favorite time playing like the character. So I do. That's what kind of what I'm most intrigued about with the movie. All right, next up we've got uh, Frank Grillo. Uh, he was talking to ComicBook.com and uh, in relation to his new film One Day as a Lion. And he said that he has moved over to the DC universe. He said, uh, Marvel never told a story about Crossbones, the character he played, um, the mythology of the MCU, just and just what Marvel has in its pool of characters. It's, it's so deep. Crossbones was there for a minute, but he was supposed to be there longer than they went the direction that they did. I think Crossbones serves a purpose, but I think the interesting thing is that if you see how many people around the world have responded to Crossbones, again, he's on the screen for a very short amount of time. I think there's more there. I think there was more meat on the bone. I was very disappointed, which is why I went over to DC. So while he just says that little bit at the end about how why he's gone over to DC, he doesn't talk about what he's doing at DC or anything like that. A lot of uh, the speculation online has been that he is he's potentially one of the characters as part of the Creature Commandos, um, which we know is going to be an animated series where the voice actors will also portray the characters in live action in you know future appearances in other movies. Um, that's the assumption is because that's one of the projects that's like really moving along. Um, so there's that. I, I think it, I, I do find it interesting because Crossbones to me, and, and I'm not a Marvel, huge Marvel person, so I can't sit here and say how important Crossbones is, but it's not like Crossbones is like the Joker. Um, the character is not anywhere near as popular or as big as some of the other DC villains who could potentially carry their own film or something like that. Now, whether or not he had the ability to play Crossbones in more things, that's debatable too because you know there was such that disconnect from what was happening with the Netflix Marvel stuff that supposedly was happening in the same universe but really wasn't. Um, but at the same time, you know, Marvel at the time was only doing films. He popped up in, I think, I, I believe it was, he popped up in two films, but it was just very briefly. And the thing is, I, I get it. You know, he he expected his role to be a lot bigger than it was. And when it wasn't, he kind of sucked. But I think he's also overestimating the character that he was portraying and the importance of the character when it comes to the overall MC universe. Yeah, like, I guess, like, from a performer standpoint, I can empathize with the disappointment and who knows what they were told or what they talked about. I'm sure they talked about all kinds of different things. But, you know, like what you just said, Dustin, like, 
you know, my knowledge of this character was like next to nothing. And granted, I didn't read a lot of like Avengers or anything, but like Spider Man, you know, X Men, things like that. Like I was really into. So, you know, and I never really came across him other than maybe like a passing reference here or there. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's awesome in like the time he has in um, the Winter Soldier and Civil War, and uh, they even brought him back for Endgame. But yeah, he's talking about like uh, crossbone fans around the world. Like, I don't like. I don't think there's a lot of uh, like kids out there wearing like uh, crossbone t-shirts or anything. But I mean, yeah, he's a good kind of. Uh, I've read stuff where he's like the Red Skull's like number one like hitman. But other than that, uh, I don't know where they were planning on going with him in the movies. I thought his kind of story kind of ended in Civil War the way it should have been. Number one selling action figure, BJ. I guess. Maybe. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next up, we've got um, James Gunn mentioned online. So I I should start by saying Star Wars Celebration was this past weekend. And during the celebration, it was revealed that James James Mangold is making a Star Wars film. And in the process of that, he was interviewed by Collider after the fact where he said he's also – connected to the Swamp Thing film, which has been a long-standing rumor that he's been involved with the Swamp Thing thing for a very long period of time. But he said that he is, in fact, in the middle of writing it. He's not sure whether or not the Swamp Thing or the Star Wars films, which one will come first, but he's working on both of them. Um, And uh, immediately James Gunn responded on Twitter and said, of course, when we started charting the course for the DC Universe, One of the first people I talked to was the super talented James Mangold about writing and directing his passion project, Swamp Thing. So that, you know, that that leads us to believe that it will happen, whether or not, you know, like when it will happen is a different story. We knew Swamp Thing was one of the the projects that was going to get made. Um, But, you know, there's that. So we've got a little bit of news when it comes to movement on certain projects. That just got me uh, more excited for it, Emma. As, as it probably has become evident in the past few episodes, I'm a huge Swamp Thing guy, so having that kind of writer-director attached gets me excited. Yeah, and I'm sure that Gunn, this was kind of what I was thinking about when they had Gunn like, in charge. Like, I'm sure he knows like all these... Like Mangold's obviously super talented and known before this, but I'm sure he's kind of friends with a lot of writers and directors who kind of can bring you interesting takes to them. Um, the things and uh yeah i'm not the i've kind of really never read any swamp thing stuff like i've seen him pop up in like the big crossovers but he's always kind of been a very interesting character all right and then just a couple of like quick tweets uh i guess replies from james gunn um when he was talking about the james mangold stuff um he specifically said that uh superman legacy is coming out on july 11 2025 creature commandos will be out before that on tv someone asked him whether or not waller will also be out before the superman film he said if it's done in time yes so that implies that there could be at least two of these projects before a theatrical film hits theaters. Um, he also was asked about the second season of Peacemaker. And he said yes, but it will be after the Superman film. So that's obviously a ways out because the Superman film comes out in 2025. Um, and then the last little update we've got is that there was a couple of other questions uh, posed to James Gunn during some of you know his replies that he does. Uh, when he posts things, somebody asked him about a Harley Quinn show called Harleen uh, with Margot Robbie, but told how she needed to save the Joker and how it led to her mind being shattered. It would be essentially a prequel to her for her character. Um, the rumor was that Harley uh, Harvey Dent, the people even I, I, I love when people post these random like rumor stuff and then they say Harley Dent slash Two Face. They can't even spell the names of the characters correctly. Uh, pl- also plays a role and then said my understanding is Margot Robbie's returning, but it's a different world to Suicide Squad: Birds of Prey. Uh, okay, he said no, there is not. So that that settles that. That that's a quick one. Um, someone asked him if he likes Catwoman. He said yes, he likes Catwoman again. That's nothing. And then someone asked him if he hates Firestorm, and he said no. Um, so take that as you will. Um, he must get so many tweets of just like the most random DC characters. He does. He's got. A, uh, he's got. It's like this poor guy. Like Jesus, he's just trying to run a studio. Kind exactly. of exactly. 
it's, it's mind-boggling yeah, how he actually yeah it's, it's mind-boggling how he actually gives he actually responds to some of them which in some ways it just fuels the fire of getting people to like you know ask these random questions i do appreciate when he debunks the rumors though because it, there's so many stupid rumors that i feel like there's sites out there that purposely create because they're just like hey well it, we'll get some traffic because we'll say something about this. It might not be true. It doesn't matter if it's true. The point is it'll get us some traffic. And I like that he immediately debunks some of them when he's presented them because it's kind of dumb. I mean, let's be honest here. Would a Harley Quinn series with Margot Robbie be interesting? Maybe. I don't know. But the thing is, why would it be a, a series when she's a huge movie star and doesn't really do anything related to TV? I mean, she did TV. That's where she came up through. But, like, she doesn't do TV. I mean, she's a movie star. She has a production company. She makes money doing movies. So I'm not sure why she would do that. Now, that's not to say there aren't people who do movies and television shows. That's entirely possible. But I'm not sure why we would need to see a prequel series that's for some reason doesn't take place in the same universe as the first two films that she starred in. I don't know why that would even be a necessity. Um, instead, it would make sense for her character, if she was going to continue to play the character, to just show up in something else and continue on. Like, why do we need to have a prequel with her, especially when there's also this, you know, Lady Gaga Harley Quinn going to be popping up too? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. As to why it's the overexposure of some of these characters and the complete unnecessary need for it. All right. So with that, that's everything for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to listen to us talk about all of these different updates. Um, we will be back hopefully next week with a new topic that's not news related. We'll have probably some gun watch stuff. But uh, outside of that, maybe we'll go back to that topic about whether or not... Um, that the topic BJ brought up earlier about the DC universe. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, be sure to let us know by sending us an email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, or leaving a comment in the comment section on the podcast or wherever you're listening to this, whether it be on YouTube or the website. Those comments obviously filter back to us, and we do read those. Um, in addition to that, um, you can check out our website, thebatmanuniverse.net, for all kinds of news, editorials, original content, and reviews related to movies, Ugh. movies, television, video games, comics, uh, merchandise, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. Follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Discord, YouTube. Uh, you can find all of our social links over at the top of the page at thebatmanuniverse.net. With all of that being said, for BJ, Scott, and myself, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you guys next time.